So, welcome to today's episode, our first ever one, titled Auto Trader is the product. Today I've got two buddies from the product leadership team at AutoTrader. First up, it's Carolina Edwards Smajda, aka Kez. Carolina has the grand title of CPO, Chief Product Officer, and has a whopping 15 plus years at AutoTrader and is part of our operational leadership team. Ben, on the other hand, is a relative newbie. What's it, five years, Ben? Ben is one of our super, super senior product directors, as well as heading up the product community, is closely aligned to our design teams too. <clears throat> hi, Kez. Hi, Ben. Hello. Hi, Pete. Cool. So welcome to the couches. Hopefully you're not finding it too hard with these mics in front of you and with me in the hot seat, because usually it's you two giving me a grilling. Right. I'm going to kick off with a little bit of summary of Trader and getting a bit of a taste of what things are about. So, Kez, you've been here 15 years. Isn't that nearly half your life? <laughs> <laughs> So when you started, it was all about printed magazines. Was there a point along the journey where Autotraders started to feel like a very different company? You joined much more like a tech company. So 15 years ago when I joined, Autotrader already had a website. So at the time you were saying Autotrader has a website rather than Autotrader was a website. And we were in the process of launching our mobile site as well. So very exciting. But like overall... Autotrader is a great example of the, uh, quoted externally quite a lot in terms of this print-to-digital transformation. However, um, that journey has been a long one. We've been very successful, very quickly actually, like seamlessly transitioning our customers, so retailers, from print-to-digital bias, so bias of the magazine and then users of our website, transitioning them to online and then our revenues from print to digital. However, the I feel like the actual transformation when we changed from being print business to digital business happened later on. So it's actually been about how we operate as a business yeah. rather than where our revenue comes from. And I think this was a true transition with, which happened probably six or seven years ago versus, uh, you know, 15 years ago when I joined, when the uh, um, the, the revenues were um, transitioning from print to digital. So how we are structured as a company, how we operate, how we build products, continuous delivery, one PNT team co-located in one location, um, our tech infrastructure, the setup, makeup of our business, all of that made us a truly digital company rather than where the money was coming from yeah yeah i mean i've been 10 years and, and it did, did feel like probably in the last five six it really has started to galvanize into that tech focused company i'll give you a break of talking because i know you've got a bit of a bad cold today yeah so great <laughs> then in the last five years so thinking similar theme you've been in now five years again in that last five years have you seen that sort of evolution change where it feels like again it's a different organization than the one you joined um, I feel like quite a big change was about 18 months, two years ago when we sort of had a reorg across products and technology and um, just kind of coming out of COVID. But when I joined, we were um, we were organized around a number of different tribes within product and technology, all structured around a kind of functional domain area. So we had a stock and search tribe. We had a tribe that was called consumer buying experience where I sat, which was all about building products for consumers and owning all the kind of consumer journeys consumer touch points we had the commercial products tribe so the tribe that was responsible for building products that made money we had the um, retailer tools and billing tribe so they built all the 
tools that <clears throat> our customers, car dealers interacted with and managed all the billing systems. And it felt like we were, you know, ev- everyone was structured around their domain areas and cared really deeply about one of our sets of users that we were building products for. And I feel like we've been on a bit of a journey over the last couple of years to sort of move to, um, I guess, we wouldn't use language at Autotrader like um, designing around customer journeys, but we, we've, we now have product teams and tribes that are more structured around owning um, kind of the end-to-end delivery and um, operation of the products and services we're building. Whereas previously, if you um, if you wanted to build a product within the consumer tribe where we sat, invariably it would require other tribes to do some stuff to enable that, which would require some kind of trade-offs from a prioritization perspective but now it feels like we're much more aligned around um teams that are accountable for delivering end-to-end soft uh, end-to-end yeah. services and journeys yeah and is that something i mean again a five-year tenure doesn't sound long in our traders uh land we've got people <laughs> 30 plus years but is it something that you feel like enthused still like is it what keeps you motivated <laughs> after five years and similarly cares in a minute after 15 years um it's a really good question uh i guess there's three things that I find like really uh, exciting about our business still. Um, the first is the industry within which we operate. Like the, um, for anyone that's interested in, in business more broadly, that doesn't get much more macro than the car industry. Whenever we look at things like, you know, interest rates and inflation and, um, you know, government policies around decarbonisation, things like that, they're all really macro things that all have a very um, material impact on us and what we do. So I, I think that's... Um, super exciting and obviously um the drive towards electric vehicles is a big part of that as well so there's lots of like changing macroeconomic things all the time that make the industry really um interesting the fact that we're a marketplace i think is like fascinating from a product perspective we always have at least two um different types of users to consider when we're building products often those the interests of those users conflict or just oppose so you have to find a way to navigate um that marketplace dynamic um and the third one will sound like a bit of a cliche but it is true there's like just really really good people at autotrader everyone really cares about what they do we put a lot of effort into hiring um and recruiting and uh genuinely like a really good team of people to work with so yeah they're the three things that keep me um as excited today as i was five years ago probably more actually cool so what about yourself, Kez, now you've managed to uh, clear that little frog? <laughs> <laughs> it, well, auto trade is a constant evol- evolution, like because even from what you were saying, within five years, how much has changed in the way yeah. we are structured, in the way we work. So 15 years ago feels like completely different business as well. So how much it change, change how much change there is internally so um it feels like a different business every 5 yeah, years yeah. that you're working yeah. um there is so much change happening externally in terms of how consumers buy how um retailers sell cars and a lot of that change is driven by us so we genuinely change how the uk car buyers buy cars like it's pretty amazing and every every year you feel like you are making a true impact, like, you know, making things happen. And I think what makes me, uh, you know, feel excited and, um, you know, just wanting to stay even longer, there's so much more that we have to do here. 
in terms of um, you know just um, improving the car buying in the UK. So um, and people like I'm not sure there is a person in auto trader who wouldn't say that um, you know that's not one of the reasons people are amazing yeah, and yeah. you feel like we are all about working together collaborating making stuff happen as a team like as a in, whether it's within PNT working with our sales colleagues like different areas of the business we work together to make stuff happen and that's how it feels yeah so I mean I totally get it especially on the the people from I mean I said I'd come for two years, came from a consultancy, and then I realised you truly could. When people say like "be yourself," like "be yourself," it's like it is so refreshing. And yeah, every day is very different. The fact we got mics on doing a podcast today is a little <laughs> bit, little bit insane, really. And <clears throat> I went on mat leave and I missed people. I was like, "Where are my friends gone?" Like, so it was just really exciting to get back to work. Yeah, I think like before the pandemic, Autotrader was quite unusual in that it was a big FTSE 100 company where almost the entire business was based in the same office, didn't have a big work from home culture. So most people were spending five days in the office and a lot of our culture, and we may come on to talk about this later, was based around kind of collaboration, spending time together. When you have that, um, you don't need a lot of the process and systems that a lot of organisations need to put in to make sure that larger teams can, can function well together. Cool. So just moving on. So we titled this talk, AT is the product. We were chatting a couple of weeks ago, Kez, with the design community and you, you dropped that phrase into the conversation, which got a lot of the designers talking. But what actually do you mean by Autotrader is the product? I think there is a, there are a few ways to look at that. The first one is, well, Autotrader generally is a product. It's a product that enables people, um, individuals in the UK to buy a car and enables retailers um, car dealers to sell cars so at this high level it's a product and um, and there is everyone working at Autotrader pretty much touches that product whether it's building it whether it's selling it whether it's reporting on its performance um, I don't know training optimizing all of that so we are in a way, a product organization. Of course, under the hood, like you've got then loads of different products, services, um, tools that um, we would call products as well that enable both buyers and sellers um, get their jobs done on Autotrader, whether it's selling a car or buying a car. But at this highest level, it's Autotrader. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Um, and, then, and, and then to my point around everyone touches product, like, Product people, when you think about it, it, it it's, well, they're on their own, they can't do much. So it's all about product teams, which are much broader than just product. We have to think about P&T, uh, product and technology, working together, making stuff happen. And I would include design, data, delivery in that as yeah. well. So you need like mix of people to work together to make stuff happen, which um, to make our auto-trader product um, you know, the best product it can be. And Ben, is there, I know, again, five years feels relatively long time, but also quite short. Is there any particular product services that you've worked in that looking back are particularly memorable, either for good reasons or harder reasons where you've had to learn quite fast? Um, <clears throat> probably a couple of things drawn. One of them is just how... Um, sensitive and influential are like search experiences and how you think a very very small change which might appear 
inconsequential to somebody could actually have a very material change on some of our metrics, which in turn have a very material change on our retail's business. I'll give you an example. Um, we, uh, I think we used to, we either used to or we now display the town, that was it, we display the town uh, where a car is located in the search results. Um, whereas before we just would show how many miles away it was from the user. It feels like a, a relevant piece of information when you're in Manchester to know that this car that's 50 miles away is in Sheffield or Liverpool. Um, sounds like a very obvious thing to do, but um, that in turn drove quite a reduction in like ongoing leads to the retailers because a lot of people would, they didn't actually know where the car was, so they would inquire to the seller to say, where are you based? And you think that's such a small change, but actually has such a you know material knock-on impact. But anytime we do anything in that, like in the middle of kind of the search and the advert is is very, very sensitive, very, very emotional. Um, I worked a lot a few years ago on our price indicator system. I think it's a good example of how we have to navigate this marketplace dynamic because um you know, as a as a as the product, we want to build the best product and the best marketplace for everybody, for buyers and sellers. Um, and one of those things we do is making that process more transparent for people. And we have a system of um, price indicators where we help consumers understand how well priced a car is in relation to other vehicles on the marketplace. Looks like a great feature for consumers. Makes loads of sense. I can see that car's a great price. That car's a high price. That car's a low price. Actually, very, very emotive for our retailers who are the people that advertise in the cars paying us an awful lot of money if we start telling consumers that their their cars are high priced um, very very emotive but it's a really good example of how we have to navigate this really kind of gnarly marketplace dynamic between you know trying to do what's best for everybody which will often be a bit of a trade-off between buyers and sellers yeah and what about yourself Kaz I know you've worked on various areas of the the organisation, any particular standout moments for you over the last 15 years? Oh, there's just loads. Like, I think the uh, the most challenging um, products are the most exciting at the same time because, you know, this is where, this is why the uh, collaboration is so important. You need to get quite a few heads together to make some of those decisions and, um, you know, agree what the right way forward is. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier there's some interesting dynamics in our business model i guess like because it's not only car buyers and sellers that have quite different needs quite often and it's a uh, balancing the two but then you've got auto trader at the uh, um you know another it's like a triangle um you've got auto trader strategic goals commercial goals that you have to balance with um, yeah. customer needs consumer needs at the same time so any product like price indicator, great example in terms of um, you know being quite controversial to start with. So we had to think about what the right approach is, make sure it works for our customers, for retailers, as well as for for, for, for consumers. And you know they are always the most exciting opportunities to tackle. Yeah, yeah, no, totally get it. I mean, <clears throat> oh, we were reflecting this morning. I think I've got, I've still got some scars from like working on internal systems, and again. You make some assumptions that this little change in the billing system won't have a material impact, and then you've got 200 of our sales colleagues going absolutely wild. <laughs> I still think uh, some of them have my name sort of uh, red marked. <laughs> um, but you know what's great at Auto Trade? That like 
because of the scale that we've got and um, volume of users that come to AutoTrade, we can learn so quickly in terms of what's wor- what's working and what's not. And we yeah. kind of take it for granted, but it's quite unusual. You can have the smallest test and very quickly learn if something is not working and we need to think differently. So um, we are in a quite good... P- it's, it's, it's Well, it's risky at the same time, but I think like if we can make it work in the right way, um, helps us to make the right decisions very quickly using data. Yeah. You both talked about that healthy tension in the marketplace, but it's a term we use a lot, healthy tension, to drive best outcomes. So is that something, again, thinking internally within the organisation and the product and tech communities, how do we really get that balance between the community needs, like the designers and, say, the, the product needs and getting that healthy tension to drive that outcome that we're looking for? Um, yeah, it's a great question because obviously we have like this tension exists from a product perspective in our marketplace where we're trying to um, design and build for often like conflicting needs of users, but also within our teams, right? everyone comes to work and cares passionately about the, what they want to do and, and wants to do a great job. And when you put a multidisciplinary product, product team together, you've often got people that care about really deeply about different parts of that project um so you know from a engineers will want to build the most robust scalable solution with the you know the best new technology product people will want to deliver value as quickly as possible to their users and prove it and measure it designers care about the needs of their of their users you put all those things together and you'll you you'll, you should get some level of kind of conflict like good conflict, healthy conflict, healthy tension. And the job of that product team is then to navigate that, um, you know, to the best outcome. I think if you don't, if you don't have that feeling of kind of tension and conflict, you're probably not pushing hard enough in, in one direction. I think part of our team as part of our job as like product people and leaders in the organization is to make that a, a healthy experience and not something that, uh, something where people feel they can, turn up, care about what they do, voice their opinion and, you know, ultimately work with people to get to the best outcome. Yeah. I think yeah. it's the key is making sure that that tension is constructive. And yeah. I think in order to make it constructive, relationships are so, so important, yeah. like personal relationships of people. Like the, uh, you have to have the trust in the team. And we change teams quite a lot in terms of depending on what we are working on. So, you often have to start over and over again and you know it's really important that we take time and effort to make sure that is in place because that makes everything else so much easier. Yeah, yeah, definitely on the relationships, something I see in my role and trying to get that win-win and that everybody is looking for the best outcome and that the challenge is fine. And it, you know, it takes time, you can't expect a group of brand new people to get into a room and trust each other enough to speak with candor and challenge each other and um, that takes time but I think as an organization we recognize that and we do invest a lot of time in getting those teams functioning really really well yeah something came up in a conversation I was having a one-to-one with one of the peeps I worked the other day and they're pretty new and we're we're surprised about our like two in a box three in a box even five in a box model we've got leadership teams where it's not one person looking after either a team an area a domain whatever it might be how have you found your experiences working in, I think, Kez, you've worked in many two-in-the-boxes. So how have you found that personally from uh, getting that win-win and that healthy tension? 
I think, again, it's about collaboration, working together, accepting that there's never one solution to a problem. So it's always good to have different perspectives and people working together, throwing different ideas into the mix and challenging one another. Probably the worst decisions you can make is when everyone in the room just nods and agrees to it, because that means you are not having the right debate. Yeah. So even um, with Autotrader... Um, leadership team like it's 16 of us like that's like that's a big team but this is where we have very diverse backgrounds uh, people representing different areas we can really have a good healthy debate about what we believe is right or wrong and just make sure we come up with um, the best possible decisions and that happens at different levels of organization the same principle applies yeah what about yourself ben i know we're, we're operating currently We've been thrown together <laughs> as a two in the box. How are you finding? How are you finding that? I I I, uh, I love it. It's something oh. that I've not experienced. Well, not, I, I okay. obviously love. Oh that, no, not me. Right. Uh, the, no, the um, I think the uh, the kind of multiple team, multiple people, leadership of a a thing, a tribe, a, a um, product. I'd not really seen it before. Um, I came to Autotrade. In fact, I'm surprised people haven't come and done some sort of study of it as a uh, organisational structure because it's really really effective and i remember listening to a cricket podcast once with andrew flintoff and uh this has always resonated with me actually he said um he said i was a rubbish captain i was rubbish as captain but i was a brilliant vice captain because he didn't like the the kind of the pressure the responsibility that came with like you being the ultimately the book stopping with you and being responsible but when as a vice captain he felt like he was much more able to contribute naturally um to the best of his abilities i think that's quite similar to like a lot of how autotrader structures you look around the organization there's very few places where you can say this one person is responsible for this whether it's pnl or people like most of the organizational structure has um you know either two in a box or a small group of people that are collectively responsible for something um and you know we don't always get those combinations of people right. And, you know, Pete, you and I, we've been part of other leadership teams before that, you know, didn't function as well as other ones. And that's totally fine. Like, we'll set something up, we'll see if it works. And if not, we'll move things. And, you know, as Kez said, we, we're always kind of changing our structure, whether that's because of priorities that we're going after or we think there's a better way to get teams to perform better. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because talking about like organisation change, even things like we're doing today is like, it does feel like people say, oh, try something and then fail fast and move on. But it does feel like we actually really do do that. Like you said, is if a team isn't quite working, rather than just draw it out, we'll try and mix it up and see if a, a different combination or a slightly different angle works. And that that's something I find refreshing because there is the, always that opportunity where something will come around the corner. I think culturally that comes from maybe what you were saying previously, Kez, about the journey we've been on, becoming a tech company and just having kind of, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but like a sort of experimental um, move quickly, try something, if it doesn't work, move on. If you have that right right at the heart of your culture, then you end up 
kind of applying that to lots of different situations. It is a skill. Like, it definitely is a skill because you really need to watch out for signals um, yeah, yeah. and interpret that in the right way and be able to make a decision based on them at the right point in time so you don't drag it for too long, but so you don't get cold feet too early either. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you really need to pay attention to what those signals are telling you. And then secondly is not getting attached to things and just like you know just keeping going because you emotionally attached to something that you are creating mm-hmm. or invested in i think we need to be as objective as we can be and the auto trader we often say that we make a something is a decision until it's not and it's so good because the world around us changes all the time so how can something be a decision if the world has moved on weeks sometimes days weeks months on like it will be a it will be a very different decision if you were making it yeah, then. Yeah, so yeah. we need to be very open minded and prepared to change our mind. Yeah. And I think we are quite good at it. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things when I first came. I heard that phrase and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then actually seeing it in practice because coming again from a consultancy background in old school engineering, it was like, no, that's decisions. It's in the decision log. It will not be unmade. And it's uh, it is refreshing that things can change and then a decision a year ago is now not a decision and we can go left or right yeah it's a bit of a well it's almost quite ironic that this podcast is called roadmap because it's kind of something that we don't mm. really um we don't really do a lot of within product and tech or trade maybe we should do a little bit more of it but um you know i've worked in organizations before where there'll be a annual or a quarterly roadmap in perspective and you'll make your nice roadmap and you'll be able to communicate to people look here are all the things that we're this is the roadmap for the year. In September, you can expect this. In October, you can expect that. Whereas the reality is we know things change so much. Um, you know, there is a there is a roadmap. There's a clear view of prioritization, but it's not as concrete or um, tangible as other places where I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, almost our roadmap is our strategy. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. that's what drives what and we it, are. And everything else within it is, yeah, it can change. Just thinking about the, because it's something we've we've talked about, again in, in the past in other little forums is that the product community itself so people product leads product managers the products organization has changed pretty drastically i'd say over the last three or four years um i, I sit on the outside and i've got a view of what the the buzz the vibe is but from people that live and breathe products on a, a daily basis how would you summarize this that part of the organization today I think a nice way of thinking about well, nice way of thinking about people at auto trade is one auto trade, and we often talk about one auto trade, and I think it nicely fits into the uh, product and tech organization as well. It's not about P, it's not about T. It's like it's about that team together, working yeah. together, collaborating, and it's product, tech people, um, design, data, delivery, like all those disciplines really um, being as close as possible working together um there was a lot of dynamic that has disrupted this way of working through covid um and you know the d- d- different ways of working you know more more remote um were taking place so we we are almost going through another transition now and learning what it means for us the principles haven't changed we absolutely value the uh, collaboration working together we do believe we drive the best outcomes if we are um you know if people just can sit next to one another, collaborate, maybe not every day. I'm not sure that is, you know, you can have days when you are working away from, from office, that's fine. But 
we believe like yeah by, by being co-located co-located you drive the best results overall so we're trying to figure um how we you know make it work we are it's an ongoing evolution so you're going from one iteration to another but it feels like every iteration always feels better it's an improvement on another one and that cycle never ends so if things change like we are trying to review what that means how can we adjust but make sure that we are really uh, mindful of what our core principles are what we want to keep versus what we are happy to compromise on or evolve or change whenever people ask me about how our kind of teams work at Australia I always go back to the Agile Manifesto and like the principles of that still you know they feel very embodied within Autotrader and, and continue to be relevant like people over process working software over documentation accepting you know changing requirements very late into a process all of those still things still feel not just relevant to how we build software but how we actually like operate as teams more broadly so I've got a really cheesy question because this is how my brain works. So if you're going to describe the P&T culture in like a song, there's a particular like theme tune. I mean, I'm trying to get a theme tune built. We've got, we've got a principal dev ed and one of the other senior devs who's, a, I think he's a, he plays the clarinet. I'm trying to come up with a theme tune for product and tech, but so far not so good. So I wonder whether you had any like... Um, songs that particularly throw out there as ideas it's just where you're going to feed them all in some sort of artificial intelligence <laughs> and it's going to create some theme song for us or is that just too cheesy a question for you you two how about like if we go away have a thing and next time when we come on we're going to sing it for you oh that'd be absolutely <laughs> oh that, that's the kind of stuff i really really like okay anyway right Going a bit more of a serious question now. You dodged that one so gracefully. <laughs> so, what excites you most today? Whether it be the future or right, what's happening right now within product and tech at Autotrader. So, I guess we say within product and tech, um, rather than about the products that we're oh. building. So, okay. I'll, could be both. I'll answer it about product and tech. I think um, it's been really interesting to see the different disciplines emerge within product and tech so um obviously carolina and i work within product we've got about 30 people and we, we kind of think of that as our product discipline we enjoy spending time together as a group of people we're quite like-minded we talk about our craft and how to get better at product people we've got designers that do the same we've got you know engineers test analysts data um data people so it's it's really interesting as to see like what's the right level of um focus to be putting on the disciplines versus what should we be doing as a broader product and tech community because you know we've recognized that we want to create great product people and great designers and that requires focusing on those people and those teams but we don't want those teams to become like you know a silo or two insular because ultimately they they can only be effective when they're part of a kind of multidisciplinary team so i guess i'm quite excited that we're starting to think about um product and tech at Autotrader what does that mean because um, we know that we're good at building products but I don't think we often talk about how we do that collectively as a broader group of people so even things like they're coming on this podcast and getting lots of different diverse people together to talk about that um, I find that quite exciting at the moment cool and all of that is particularly important um, at this moment in time because the stuff that we are working on touches like 
like across all the teams at all to trade. Uh, like there are quite big chunky um, opportunities that we are tackling at the moment, specifically around how we are going to enable car buyers to buy a car online in this most extreme scenario. That is a huge undertaking across product, tech, design, um, and it's not a small team working on it. It's a it's a big. Um, big investment like and, and big teams working together and you need to make sure that all of the uh, areas are working really closely in the right way. So um, so that's certainly very exciting. Yeah. I mean, we just fresh off uh, ATCon 23, our annual all-employee conference. I think the thing that struck me and especially quite a few of the new stars I've got is the scale of the organise- organisation. When you bring in likes of Vanarama and our sales colleagues and all the operational teams... I was, I was, I wouldn't say the word is overwhelmed. I was a bit like, wow, I forget how big we are as an organization. And we have grown probably in the last few years as well. Yeah. So yeah, it feels like, yeah, it's a big group of people working on making all of that happen. Yeah, yeah. But, so, it, but at the same time, I think Autotrader is still small enough to be able to do that. If yeah, you know, yeah. We're a, we're a FTSE 100 company. We carry a lot of influence but we can still fit everybody who works at the company in one room in the conference, which I think is probably quite yeah, unusual no, compared, really to, compared to other companies. Well, yeah. The fact that we are we just have two offices where, and the product and teams are co-located in one office in Manchester yeah. here, that is amazing. And, mm-hmm. and this is why it just, I think it makes a difference. Yeah, that, there's definitely a balance, isn't there, like on the scale of sizes. We're at that nice place where you feel like there's lots of opportunity, lots of things to go at. You can, you know, you got freedom to move around, swiggle the careers, but at the same time, it's not too big that you're getting lost as a as just a number. Yeah, yeah. you definitely know people who you work with. So another one of my wrapping up questions. So if I was uh, someone totally new to Art Trader UK, I'd never um, met anyone from there. Is there particular articles, blogs, uh, things that inspire you around product and tech? that they could read, look into, and then that's something that they can go, I can get the vibe of what our trade is all about. I think our blogs is a great place to start. Yeah. And um, it's both engineering blogs, design blogs, and just um, hearing from people who work here what they are proud of and how they are talking about the great work that they are doing. That feels like a great starting point, I would say. Yeah, medium medium post engineering, sorry, medium blog um engineering blog we host quite a lot of um talks so generally within the disciplines so there'll be a tech talks there'll be design talks we do, do product talks so uh keep an eye out for those listen to podcasts obviously yeah absolutely. <laughs> and what about personally yourselves where does your inspiration come so like i i go through different phases in terms of um reading different books um i've been um reading different blogs. Currently, more I'm more into podcasts because it's just a little bit more time efficient. So my commute to Manchester is about 45 minutes. So post-COVID, I was getting frustrated just sitting in a car doing nothing. So decided to spend this time a little bit more effectively. So podcasts is um, what I'm listening to now. What I'm, going th- I'm, what, what I'm listening to at the moment is... Um, I'm quite selective in terms of um, masters of scale, actually. And it's quite interesting because it's a different um, 
there are different interesting tech businesses, big ones and startups, and there are different challenges that they are tackling, which is not product specific as such, but they are product and tech businesses. Yeah. So all of that is really relevant. So it's okay. quite good. What about yeah, yourself? I've seen a lot of podcasts, uh, enjoy secret leaders as well. Uh, anyone in the product or design team knows I'm a bit of an intercom fanboy, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll uh, regularly share some of um, Paul Adams' uh, podcasts. They're great. I actually get quite a lot of stuff off Twitter as well, like following the right people off Twitter, seeing you know art, like interesting articles shared. I used to read quite a lot of books, but I've sort of gone, mm, I've yeah. sort of gone off, um, gone off them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going through that little phase at the moment, but I've flipped back into like fiction and stuff like that. So I need to. Like Norse mythology isn't really helping me at work on a day to day basis. Well, yeah. Anyway, right. So I'm going to bring this to a wrap. So thanks a lot for joining us on the couch, Ben and Kez. Um, I'm absolutely starving now, so I can't wait for a bit of food on the sixth floor. So big thanks for both sharing your views. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. And thanks for Kez coming in with a really bad cold. So cheers for listening and have a good one. Thanks. Thanks so much.